Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Thursday, February 3rd, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 446 featuring Heavy.com's Steve Bullpett is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Celtics Beat. You got Adam Kaufman here with you as normal. Evan Valenti is producing, but he won't be joining us on air for this one. So in a way, he's still with us. But of course, it's not about me. It's not about evidence about our featured guest every week. And this week, it is a man we just, you know, we saw an article during the week and we said, we got to talk to this guy. And it was just overdue to get him back on the show anyway. And that is Steve Bullpett, now of Heavy.com, of course, started that job in uh, just last two, three weeks, somewhere in that general vicinity, I think, although time is kind of passing me by. Steve, congrats on the new role, first and foremost, and welcome. It's good to see you. You as well. So, uh, you know, before we even get into, obviously, your article about Jalen Brown and your thoughts on the Celtics and all that good stuff, uh, just a, a little bit about the, uh, the the new gig. Is this more uh, a, a, a casting a wider net on the NBA than you were? I mean, I know you were already covering the entire league when you know, you were at the the Herald for all those years, but what's this role encompass for you? Yeah, it's it's a wider situation. Like, true, you're correct. I was covering the league as well at the Herald, but I was really primarily responsible for Celtics. That was the main beat. Uh, now I, I don't cover games anymore. I don't have to write up game reports. And it's basically using the context that we've gotten over the, you know, the past billion years to uh you know to find stuff out and uh and report it so yeah it's it's a it was a it was a good situation sean devaney who uh Mm -hmm. many of you know uh was uh the nba writer for the sporting news for a number of years um he reached out and you know i was look i was been i've been really lucky i was in a situation where i could kind of pick spots and didn't necessarily have to work but wanted to but was waiting for a kind of the right thing and uh, when this came along, it um, you know the opportunity to work with Sean, excuse me, with Sean, uh, and the, the contract that they presented, it, it looked really good. And I said, you know, this is this is what I should do. So well, I'm grateful for Sean on this show too. Pardon me. I said we're big fans of Sean on this yeah, show too. No, Sean's a, a, it was a good guy to know, and uh, as I've come to know, a, a really good guy to work for. 
Well, again, congrats, obviously, and I'm sure people will be, uh, you know, keeping a, a, a close eye on everything that you're saying, writing about the league, and, you know, especially when there are times that there is a Celtics focus. And just for anyone that, I don't know, isn't caught up through the most recent game against the Hornets, just the the general where are they now is, is where I tend to begin these shows. The Celtics, they've won three in a row, five of six, look as good as they've looked all season. They're as healthy as they've been all season. They start a three-game trip in Detroit on Friday, which takes them through uh, stops in Orlando and Brooklyn as well. Honestly, it is it is not outlandish to suggest Boston could sweep this trip. And and I know the Nets are there, and I know the Nets are ahead of them in the standings. But remember, the game's in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant is out. James Harden is is banged up. He's probably going to play, but he's banged up. Kyrie Irving can't play in home games, so the Nets are not going to look uh, anywhere near full strength. And as it stands right now, with this little streak here putting the seas a season i three games over 500 they are ninth in the east still in the mix in the play-in tournament not a guaranteed playoff spot but there are a couple games behind the nets for that sixth seed and again you know playing at uh you know kind of a an, an equal level standings wise so we'll see where it all goes and the trade deadline is one week away folks one week away so we'll get into all of that here on this show as well but you know where we need to begin steve and just so you know, this is you know, this is not just lip service. I was on the uh, the the Celtics Lab podcast a couple of days ago, not to be confused with us here at Celtics Beat, but all part of the CLNS families. So check them out as well. I was on the Celtics Lab podcast, and it was I don't know an hour after your story about Jalen Brown dropped, and I was asked about it, and I said, "Listen, you know if if anyone writes anything about the Celtics, the, the sort of mantra among C's fans or talking heads over, over decades at this point, over the last several years has been, okay, but who wrote it? Who wrote it? And, you know, even if it was a, a very reliable national correspondent, you know, could have been Woj, could have been Shams, could have been Stein, could have been, you know, whomever, like you name it. It was always, yeah, but has, has Bullpet said anything about this yet? So when you wrote this article about Jalen Brown, which for anyone that didn't get a chance to see it on heavy.com, it's, it's kind of a, you know, if this, then that sort of concept, you know, the, the headline was sources Celtics Jalen Brown could seek June divorce if team falters. And of course, the big line that caught people's attention, multiple sources have told heavy.com that absent the team getting its act together, which by the way, it has, you know, right now, but absent the team getting its act together and playing more to its potential, Brown could be the one to acknowledge that the mix isn't right and seek a move now. There are a number of different things about this that I think we could get into that I think are interesting, but just Overall, I mean, do you feel like in in your reporting and talking to the people that you have that anything in terms of unhappiness from Jalen Brown and his camp is imminent? No, I mean, that was the point is that, you know, I I, look in in terms of presentation of the story. You know, have I thought about it a thousand times since it was posted? Sure. You know, I mean, the most important thing is getting your points across, getting them received properly. You know, it's, 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 it's up to me to make sure it gets read properly. And, you know, there's some question here, whether I did it properly or not. Um, the, the idea here, and I, and again, started off with that Jalen Brown, this is what he wants to work here, but there have been frustrations uh, over the course of the year. And the reason I even got to this story is yeah, I'm talking to people across the league. Obviously, that's that's basically the job. There's there are two phones sitting right there, mm-hmm. and they you know, and I make calls and they ring, and that's basically the job. You know, I mean, and, and there are other people, a lot of other people around the league doing the same thing that I'm doing. 
Um, but when you're getting calls about Jalen Brown, you know, what kind of guy is he, how is he to deal with? Um, and then you say, okay, well, where's this coming from? And they say, well, there's a belief around the league that, uh, that was communicated to me that, you know, Jalen Brown might be available and then, okay, well, further, okay. It might be available when, and it's, and what, it, what came back then was most likely, if at all around the draft. Well, and so why are you calling now? Because maybe, you know, these are pe- teams that, that would, that covet Jalen Brown that figure, Hey, look, maybe, maybe we should get in on this now or try to, or see what we're going to have to do. And in one case, a GM told me, Hey, you got to start preparing for these things. And cause you have to be able to move fast if they, if they show up. And um, so, yeah, so it, it, that's, that's where the, you know, these people weren't getting this idea out of nowhere, out of thin air, these, these teams around the league. And upon further investigation, it was like, yeah, there was a point where I think everyone will understand that everyone around the Celtics was terribly frustrated with this team and the way it was playing. You know, I mean, that, that hero ball, the one-on-one stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure on your shows, there were a thousand people, you know, uh, calling up to decry what was going on. And uh, so, yeah, that's, you know, that's the, the, that's the basic germ of it. I can get into yeah. it further, but go ahead, please. Well, I was going to say, I think, you know, to me, the most interesting angle, because, you know, it's, uh, I, I think it's like, it's human nature, right? It's kind of common sense that, 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 you know, you could look at anybody in any walk of life and say, man, if like, if, if they're not happy, they may look for a different situation, right? Like at, putting it just at its, at its most like basic, truest form. But what's really interesting here is, you know, all the commentary over really the last couple of years surrounding the season, they've been up and down this roller coaster of, you know, ride of, of, of health or COVID or, or not playing well, inconsistencies, all of it has always been you know, former players or, or media people or execs, like you got to split up the Jays, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can't coexist. You know, they're, they're redundant. They, they don't belong together. You know, there's a better way to build this team and, and on and on and on. This is what we've always heard. This is what people have said, but where it typically hasn't come from is, you know, one of these guys is upset and may want out. And it's not like it's this new concept at by any means and what is largely a, a player's run league you know you could think of a thousand examples in very recent history whether it's you know Lillard right now in Portland obviously Ben Simmons in in Philadelphia James Harden going back to Houston you know Kevin Durant not long ago Kyrie Irving here like there I mean there are so many superstars LeBron even like guys that are unhappy that want to change the scenery but we've never really talked about Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown that way just because you know really until now there there haven't been those little those little tidbits those little crumbs of information that say you know what like this this is a path even though these guys are under contract one of them may want to take sooner than later I I guess I would just wonder you know what's your view of of how well these guys can coexist and take this team where they want it to be and where the team wants it to be versus one of them even at a young age and again being under contract still could get a little fed up and say, you know what, I, I do have some power despite having a contract and I'm going to exercise it. Look, I think that these two guys, A, should want to stay together and B, should flourish together. And C, the fact that they haven't yet is, is mind-boggling to me. And trust me, 
it's mind boggling to people around the Celtics as well. I mean, uh, I go back to the conference finals in 2018, game seven. The Celtics have the Cavaliers on the garden floor. The, the Cavaliers uh, were looking. They, I don't think they wanted to go and face Golden State because they knew what was <laughs> going to happen. And interestingly, as I've written a, a bunch before, uh, that the, the Warriors were rooting hard for the Cavaliers that day. You know, and this is the Celtic team without Gordon Hayward, who's been injured the entire year since game one, mm-hmm. without Kyrie Irving, who was out for the year at that point. The, the, the Warriors did not want to face those Celtics. They were much more uh, of a threat to them as in their eyes than were the Cavaliers. And the Celtics boxed up that game by, and again, I'll, I'll say it, it's not guys being jerks. It's guys saying, hey, give me the ball. I'll go make a play. I'll take responsibility. I'll go do this. And that just, it threw the team off. It's, it, it killed them. And it, it's killed them in, at different points ever since that. You look at playoffs and, you know, a couple of years ago, the conference finals, you know, did they get caught in the, a little bit of hero ball? Well, everyone around the team, their coach was saying, you know. So the this from Brad now to Ime to uh, the people around in the, the organization before, they, the other coaches, they've been trying to get these guys to play more team ball and not just them, everyone, you know, not just those two guys, but understanding the value to them. And you see when they play the right way, how well it works, which makes it crazy that they don't do it all the time like they're doing it now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm not one of those that says, you know, uh, Jason Tatum, he's just pounding the ball. This is crazy. You know, he's got to give the ball up. If I'm the Celtics, I want the ball in Jason Tatum's hands as much as possible. But I want it in his hands after he's passed and cut and in a position to catch the ball and finish a play with a dribble or two maybe, but catch and shoot, you know, as a finisher, both these guys. And, again, this is stuff I've written for the Herald over the years and, you know, uh, tweeting and it's just, it's crazy. I think, I think you'd agree when you see how well they can play when they play that kind of basketball, it's crazy to think, why don't they do it all the time? Well, so let me ask you this then with the trade deadline, as we sit here right now, a week away, I'm not under the illusions that anything monumental is, is going to happen on, on February 10th. And, you know, I mean, maybe Dennis Schroeder could go, maybe Josh Richardson should go, but I think like that's the height of something extreme or, or whatever happens with this team. I think if something big is going to happen, it's in the off season and, and we can talk about that. But, but just my, you know, initial thought here is, you know, you've watched as much basketball as anyone who's ever been on this show. You certainly know the game, you know, the Celtics and you know, these two guys that you were just talking about in Tatum and Brown, what's the best way to make this work? You know, what's the sort of, I don't know, to date this, I don't want to call it unanswerable question because they've, you know, they've gone to multiple conference finals. They've certainly shown potential, but you know, what Danny Ainge worked so long and so hard trying to figure out and what Brad Stevens is now tasked to handle right now. And Ime Odoka obviously is head coach as well. What's the proper way, if you're building around these two guys, as we'd all like to see happen, what's the best way to do that? What do they need to be surrounded by? Well, first of all, they need a point guard who's playing like Marcus Smart is playing right now. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so so therein right there is is a a big part of that mix. Since Marcus has come back, and we've all I, I've always believed in Marcus's ability as a distributor, uh, but it seems like the way he's playing now, maybe even a hyper focus on that. I don't know how to how to perfectly describe it, but the, you need a guy that's playing the way he is now, and that is that's huge for them. Um, in terms of what the Celtics might be doing in this, this next week. I can tell you that as of a couple of weeks ago, they were looking, they were hell bent at looking at a, a lot of things. Um, the recent uh, stretch of good basketball has seemed to calm things down. And, you know, you can tell, just tell by the, the people I'm talking to around the league. At first, it was like, hey, they're active. They want to get something done. They know this doesn't work. They know this needs to be fixed. And, you know, I think for last year and this year, they were hoping for that fix to come from within. And for now, it appears that it has to a degree. So getting back to your original thought of, you know, looking at the Celtics as they are now, I think everyone, and this is a team that I follow more closely, for a couple of reasons, but, um, and, and have over the last couple of years and, and well before that, <laughs> but, uh, I, I think everyone is like, they get encouraged when things go well, and then they're probably not surprised when things backslide. And so I think the, the, if you're, if you're following it, I think you're a little hesitant to say problems have been solved because you look back at the game last Friday in, in Atlanta and go, you know, where did that come from? You know, where was the, the aggressive defense, the getting back on defense? I mean, last night uh, against Charlotte, the Celtics, you know, Charlotte came back in that game and the Celtics could have upped their defense a little bit at certain points getting out to people, but they were getting back on defense and they were hustling and back and getting and playing the kind of transition ball offensively as well that, you know, is kind of what their coaches have been begging for. So, you know, uh, I think that you're right. I think, and I'm not sure that Josh Richardson is a guy that's it's really in the conversation for trades right now. I think they see him as a really important, valuable guy. Um, you know, the three pointers last night were a bonus, but they see him as one of those defensive wings they can put in a game uh, and, and help them along that way there. So I think, yeah, Schroeder, is uh, very likely to, to be gone um, because like a lot of teams, yeah, a lot of teams are on the league. They really want to get into that luxury tax and maintain that kind of flexibility. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's where they are now. So everything you just said on Marcus Smart, I, I couldn't agree more. We spent most of our show last week talking about how, quite frankly, I think Marcus Smart is finally being utilized the right way. Like he's, he's actually, being used as a point guard and you know because we've been saying for years on this show and and you and others you know have have all been saying it when he's used as as more of a playmaker a distributor and not just the guy that you know is is going out there and taking heat checks and hero ball and forcing threes and doing whatever he's doing like he is within his role beyond just the defensive side offensively within his role when used the right way he can be elite I'm not talking about him being you know, an, an all-star or one of the great point guards in the league, but for what they need him to be, he can be elite within his role. Something, you know, Brad Stevens has talked about for years, Bill Belichick, you know, one of those mantras, like do what we need you to do and, and do it to the best of your ability. 
That's all we want from you. And I think Mark is smart. What he's doing right now, like you talked about, perfect fit. Keep doing it. Keep using him as a point guard, not a two. Use him at the one in in, in a in a true traditional sense. And and I I think that you do see uh, some some real net positives there. But I guess going back to what you were just saying about how you know talks of or 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 aggressiveness, for lack of a better word, is his kind of cooled or calmed you know i there are a lot of people that get all up in my mentions on twitter steve that you know anytime like right now anytime something is going well you know i'll tweet oh they've won five out of six or 10 out of 14 or three in a row or whatever and it's everything's fixed this is great you know just everything will be fine why do anything brad there's there's no need there this is this cue up the duck boats you know fire up the duck boats all that stuff and you know i i guess i would wonder you know, look, I'm enjoying this ride as much as anybody else when they play well, but is there a recency bias that that can take you as as management away from bigger picture issues? You know, can can some wins and playing well on both ends of the floor for a couple of weeks mask larger, you know, problems that that have existed for years? Because it just feels like if if you know the second a an injury happens. It doesn't even have to be a significant one. It could be like Marcus going down. I'm not talking about Jalen or, or Jason. You know what? Even a semi-significant injury happens or another COVID outbreak happens. And this team doesn't have the ability or at least hasn't shown the ability to fight through it the way, I don't know, a team like Miami has all year long without many of its best players. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, that's, and again, that's one of the things too uh, that I mentioned in an earlier uh, article on heavy is that um, they were looking, you know, they were looking to maybe clear some people out to make room for more minutes for a Peyton Pritchard. Mm-hmm. Um, I still believe that uh, um, Aaron Neesmith uh, can be a very good player for this team, but it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard for a shooter when you're getting in such some such limited opportunities and every shot you take from the outside is an event rather than <laughs> part of the flow. And I think, you know, you've got to get away from that. I remember in that story mentioning, I was talking to a GM and I said, you know, you can't tell me that, that Neesmith, if given the opportunity and the encouragement, couldn't be a reasonable facsimile of a Duncan Robinson. And the response I got from a GM was, that's why Eric Spolstra is one of the best coaches in the league. And he, the, the GM also mentioned the, uh, the, the coach out in, in Memphis. And he said, you know, that they just, they don't just see what a guy is. They see what a guy can be, what can become, and they get him there. Um, so yeah, I, I, further, I think a guy like, uh, Romeo Langford, the injury issues have got to be bothersome. Um, but, you know, there's a guy that can help. So, um, you know, they've got some players there. But to your point, if an injury were to happen right now, are these guys ready? You know, they haven't been playing much. Um, right. You know, how long will it take them to get into that flow? And you can say, well, they're on the court every day. It's different. Being part of being the game and having that confidence, you can, you know, uh, do a ton otherwise. But it, it really – you have to have a belief in yourself and that belief has to come from, um, from, from having accomplished something, you know, from playing a, a stretch of games where you've played well, that's where it is. 
Let's take one quick break. Tell you about our friends at betonline.ag. Of course, there might be way less football being played right now. We only have the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl ahead of us at this point, but there's way, way more stuff to bet on in general across betonline.ag from, uh, you can look at scores and totals, player performance props, uh, all sorts of good stuff there. Uh, who the next fired head coach is going to be if, if, uh, if, if, you know, we're, we're not done there or which guy is, is going to land somewhere. Maybe Brian Flores will even find his way somewhere. That would be nice. Bet online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And uh, with the new year, new updated desktop and mobile website as well. Sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code. It is CLNS50 to get you started. It's not just football, obviously. Bet online has basketball, hockey, uh, baseball futures. If in fact they have a season, uh, UFC golf, you name it. Coverage is the best in the business from sports, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online is your number one online wagering destination. Again, bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. So Steve Bullpeck, getting back to what we were just talking about here. And uh, you know, I, I think you brought up something we've been highlighting going back to to the offseason and, and wondering what it was going to take. And that is just, you know, how Ime Odoka, again, a first-year head coach, he's been in the league for, you know, a couple of decades in one capacity or another, but first-year, first-time head coach and, you know, finding his footing here in the Celtics organization. But you look for patterns, and and I think it's very easy to see that he either, you know, doesn't like or simply doesn't trust the younger guys. The rotation when this team is healthy is so visibly apparent. You know, it, you had it last night. He he wants an eight, nine man rotation. You had it last night in this most recent game against Charlotte. It's, you know, it's your ideal starting five. It's, it's Tatum, it's Brown, it's Horford, it's smart. It's Robert Williams. Then off the bench, it's Grant Williams, it's Dennis Schroeder and it's Josh Richardson. And maybe somebody will be on the move. Like we said with, with Schroeder or Richardson come the trade deadline. But at the moment, that's what the rotation is, which means the DNP CDs did not play coach's decision. It's the kids. It's Peyton Pritchard who had took a COVID outbreak for him to get an opportunity this year after being, you know, a, a pretty steady, reliable contributor as a rookie last year under Brad Stevens, Romeo Langford, Aaron Neesmith, you mentioned them as well. And I, I just don't think that for whatever reason, it's if there's any, I don't know, sort of glaring whatever with this team in recent years, absent, obviously, four guys in particular, Tatum, Brown, Smart, all very high draft picks. And then Robert Williams, who was even at the time looked like a, a steal or potential steal at the end of the first round, everybody else we have seen concerns about their development process. And it just seems like these three guys are the next in line. And I don't want these three guys, be it here or elsewhere, you know, I don't want them to be Shemi Ojale or, or, you know, uh, Carson Edwards or, you know, any of these guys that, that haven't worked out in recent years. I, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. It's it look at like the, you also, don't, you also don't want them to be like, uh, you know, uh, Javante Green, who goes and starts sure. now for, you know, for, for Chicago or, well, uh, I mean, Garrison, Gar- Matthews. Garrison Matthews, Max Struess, what he, what yeah. he's doing this year for Miami is another guy that, you know, they had in camp a, a couple years back. Like, how do we, is obviously something from a, from a coaching standpoint, from a front office, from a personnel standpoint, there's something not ideal happening here in terms of identifying how young talent you know, can be useful to this team and can grow within their roles. And other teams like a Javante Green, like a Garrison Matthews, like a Max Drews, other teams are finding out. And how do we how do we hedge against that happening with these three guys here? Well, it, it takes opportunity and it takes commitment on the part of your organization. Say, look, this is what we're going to go with here. 
Um, and then in recent years, you know, prior to prior to last year, this was a team that was, you know, a conference finalist type. And, you know, so you've, you've got to you can't necessarily be, you know, wading really deep into that. You've got a you've got guys that are ready to win now and you've got to develop that. And there were, again, issues with uh, the one on one ball that they had to work through. So it wasn't like you were going to change a whole lot. Um, but yeah, I, I, look, the, what came, what's come back to me talking to people around the league is that like Ime is coaching like a first, first time coach and he's relying on guys on the veterans, but this is not to be critical of, of Ime because one of the biggest examples of this and how management handled it, how they handled the situation came in 2007 after the Celtics acquired Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, Doc Rivers was begging Ainge for a veteran point guard. Mm-hmm. But Ainge really believed in this kid, Rondo. And if you and Ainge would not make a move for a veteran point guard until later in the year when he got Doc Sam Cassell. But by then, Rondo had proved himself. So basically, Danny forced Doc into going with the kid. And you see how it worked out. I mean, Rondo, by all that year, was incredible. I mean, game six against the Lakers, Rondo dominated that game, you know, if you recall. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're, they're, you know, and I think that was one of the things that I kept hearing from that the Celtics were communicating to other teams. It's like, yeah, we want to move some guys so we can play these other guys. Um, but to your point, now that they seem to have a rotation together, it's a little harder. You know, and you've you've got to make your run when it's there, when you have it, when you have the opportunity. And, you know, sometimes your hand is forced. Uh, if you look at the 2018-2019 season, uh, Kyrie's last season here, that team was up and down all year. But you remember Kyrie saying, you know, don't worry, we'll be fine in the playoffs. Why? Yeah. Because I'm we're really good and all this stuff, and <laughs> and they were kind of you know Brad Stevens was kind of forced to you know well I, we got to ride this out you know there's the options what are the options you know with what we're going to do here and then the the Celtics sweep Indiana in the first round and then they go out at Game One at Milwaukee and wax the Bucks mm-hmm. I mean not just be, they beat them handily and it's like well you know. Maybe Kyrie was right all along and you start checking the map about the earth, you know, um, <laughs> but then they, then it all went away again. Second game, they got him right out of the playoffs first and boom. Uh, so you, you're kind of forced sometimes to go with what's there. And I think, you know, when an opportunity strikes as it appears to be right now for the Celtics. And I think the Celtics as an organization wish they had a few more meaningful games between now and the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. So they could see if this is real or more real than it, uh, more consistent anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, that's the situation they're in. Yeah. I guess I just, uh, what frustrates me, probably a lot of fans out there, maybe you as well, is that, you know, you, you look back to that season, like you're talking about, and there was still, it was one of those, if everything, you know, like we figure our crap out, we get everything together. This is a championship contender, you know, because they, they had that talent. This team 
and I'm not, you know, taking, I'm not like insulting the talent on this team intentionally anyway, or, or intentionally disrespecting them. But this team, it, it would seem like to me, I don't know if you agree or disagree, their absolute ceiling, their absolute ceiling, if everything broke right, is losing in the conference finals. Uh, like the, to me, there's 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 no path to which this team, as currently constituted, wins a championship. And you could just as easily see them, you know, losing in round two as you could not getting out of the play-in tournament because that's what kind of team it's been this year. They are three games over 500, and that's a season high. And look, compared to where we, as followers of this team, for a long while expect them to be. And quite frankly, having two of the bright young stars in this league and Tatum and Brown, three games over 500, Steve, kind of pathetic. Like not, that's not something to hang your hat on. So I don't know. At some point, it feels like you need to take a step back, whether it's trading a Dennis Schroeder, not only to get under the luxury tax, if that's the priority, but just to, to force Eme to work in some of these younger guys, a Pritchard, a, a, a Neesmith to, to make them, play to make them be part of this rotation to to work on their development and their growth because I just I don't know if we keep kind of spinning our wheels to you know these are our guys and not developing anybody along the way then you're not going to get anywhere you know teams that for the most part and every team there are a lot of teams that have done it differently some have done it through free agency some have done it through the draft some have done it through some combination of those two things you know and, and those are our champs over over the last couple of decades obviously but this this group, uh, because there's no salary cap space coming, this group, if, if it's going to get done, it it seems like it has to happen from within, you know, absent these guys like in, in 2007, all being good enough to where you can package a bunch of them and bring in another star. So I, I, I just don't I don't know how you force that to happen. Well, if if you are frustrated like this. And I'm sure team followers of the team are similarly frustrated. What do you think it's like for the guys on the team? Mm-hmm. You know, which gets back to the, the, the recent piece I wrote. Um, you know, there is, there has been, as, as was put to me by a Celtic person, there's not a player on this team that hasn't expressed his frustration at some point this year. Okay. And if you're talking about spinning your wheels, you know, there it is. But with regard to the two main pieces, I think, you know, they've realized all along and they've talked all along about, I mean, you remember Jalen Brown coming out and saying he has to, you know, find out how to work. Uh, he and Jason have to figure out how to work better together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think there's been a commitment with regard to that, you know, how long that holds is important, but I think um, to, to what you're saying about the frustration and all that, and it, it, I probably should have tried better to frame the story this way, because this is the point I was trying to get across, is that there is an urgency to what's happening right now, okay? That these guys, I, these guys want to be here and want to be Boston Celtics, and they're going to watch Kevin Garnett's number get retired, and they want to have that kind of success and be attached to a premier franchise in the, the, in the sport they play. But, you know, if it's not going to work, they don't want to be, you know, no one wants to be stuck in this situation, particularly, you know, ownership, you know, mm-hmm. they, it's, it's pay, patience is not going to be strong if this team isn't showing signs. Okay. Uh, this ownership didn't get to be this ownership. 
this franchise didn't get to be this franchise by saying, yeah, we'll just kind of roll along with this here. They make moves. They don't just sit tight if things aren't going the way that they want. And the definition of success in Boston is, is quite different than the definition of success in a lot of other NBA cities. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I know I, I, I keep racking my head about the, you know, about the, the thing that was written and how, and one other thing I, I, more, I really want to let, I think it's obvious to people that are in the media uh, but um, when you're putting it together a piece where you're using unnamed sources, which is where you get your best information from, <laughs> particularly because uh, people from other teams can't say these things to you and have their names attached because of tampering and things like that. Okay. You know, you've got to watch how you present things because it's like, well, don't put it this way because then they'll know it's for me. You know what I mean? There's a lot of that. And you've, you know, you've got to protect sources. I mean, that's having developed sources is what's allowed me to to do this job for a number of years and and to build up trust. And, you know, if people think I've lost my mind and I'm going to start fabricating stuff at this point, (laughs) you know, that's fine. But, uh, you know, uh, it's not what's going to happen. I'm, you know, not ever. We've spent a while, I think, Steve, and when I say we, sort of the royal we, not you specifically, when when Brad was head coach, spent the last couple of years, like Gary Washburn, every time he, he was on this show, we, we would talk about it, just sort of really dissecting his staff and questioning whether the makeup was right. Was he surrounded by the right people? And maybe, not that we ever didn't acknowledge this, but maybe didn't spend enough time talking about the makeup of the front office and obviously you know danny's gone brad was elevated but for the most part things around him didn't change you know it's still mike zarin it's still austin ainge it's still many of the key cogs who have been there same voices and i look i i, I love those voices i love those guys i you know like they, they it's it's not like calling for anybody's job or head on a plate or anything like that but obviously does this team you know need some sort of a fresh perspective to to take them you know, where ultimately they need to go around so much of what we've been talking about here on this show? I think it's be careful what you wish for. Uh, I, I, I believe that the organization that they've got from ownership on down, excuse me, has a, is very strong. And as much as you can grouse about how they've been, you know, where they've been the last couple of years, the last season in this, um, you have to look at it in, in the relative market. How many teams would kill to be in this position? Would, you know, how many teams have got front offices that are so messed up, you know, over the years that there's, there's, there's been no continuity. Um, they're, it's, you know, like, like the, the, the NFL teams that, that change offensive coordinators every year or two mm-hmm. and the quarterback never develops. Um, there's got to be, there's accountability. Look, uh, there's a lot to quibble about with any GM's moves and Danny Ainge is certainly not immune, but the one thing I've, I've always said and written about Ainge that, that the best thing you can say about him is that he never did his job to keep his job. Yep. And you look at how many teams, uh, that around the trade deadline 
they they kill themselves, the, the GM, and you can see it because you can tell from the trade talk that's happening and you can tell from where it goes and where it doesn't go that there are GMs. It's like, okay, our team's not doing well. I could make this really bold move. But if I make this bold move and it doesn't work out, it's my butt on the line. If I don't make a move, well, I can blame someone else. There are people that are out there trying to keep jobs. And that's, you have to be able to have the, you know, do the work, have, gather the knowledge, and then have the, the courage of your convictions. And, you know, for any screw-ups that Ainge has made, he built this, he rebuilt two really good teams. He built two really good teams, excuse me. Um, the second one didn't work out for, you know, a variety of reasons. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's a, I think it's an important part to, to look at, not just what this team is doing, but what it's doing relative to whatever else is out there. The, when the when they, Celtics made the trade with, with uh, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. that killed Brooklyn, except to the point where Brooklyn got so bad that it had space and yeah. you had a Kyrie Irving who was leaving a good situation that decided, you know, and, and goes and creates a new one there because he's able to pull, you know, not only take himself, but pull in a, a Kevin Durant. And right there, I mean, look, and let's pause to say this. For anything that you think about Kyrie Irving, and we could think a lot of things about him. <laughs> he is, I'm not sure about you, but he is one of the most talented players I've ever seen in basketball. I mean, oh, just incredibly this guy is nobody's ever had a better ball handle. Wow. I mean, the stuff he does, you know, which makes it kind of disappointing or depressing that, you know, that the other stuff comes with it because, man, we should, this is a guy that should be uh, among the, you know, the, the people in the real pantheon of this league every year. He should be one of the, the faces of the league in terms of talent and what he can accomplish. I mean, the, the Cavaliers don't win. His shot won him mm-hmm. that, you know, wins him that, uh, that championship. And yeah. So, you know, getting back, I've, I know I've kind of dribbled off here. Um, yeah. I've kind of, I've kind of pulled what we don't like about the Celtics. I've just kind of dribbled to my chair. <laughs> I should pass it back. <laughs> Is uh, I, I wasn't going to go down this road at all, but you know, if anyone has the Intel, you have the Intel and we've talked about him enough times here on this show. Is Danny Ainge in Utah now because he got bored in retirement or because he wanted a change from Boston? Uh, I th- no, I, I think, well, I think both. Um, you know, the, a friend of his uh, took ownership of, the, of, the, of Utah. And what Ainge is doing out there is not what, what, what he did here. He is not like a day-to-day involved with the basketball ops thing. He's doing, uh, you know, other parts of the organization. It's a much more relaxed situation. Um, so, you know, I think I think that's what he was you know, what he was looking at. And frankly, you know, we we kind of forget the fact this man had, you know, two heart attacks. heart attacks. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, that's uh, and you know, uh, I think you know. He's been fine physically, I guess, you know, which is good. But, you know, those kind of things will uh, – that's, that's kind of a knock at your door to like, hey, here's your morning wake-up call. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the ticker's not acting properly. 
Yeah. Made me think about this. Is he still, a, you know, I, I guess I would imagine the answer is yes, but not knowing fully how it all works once guys become, you know, rivals. I'm so, I know there's still a, a trust factor there and there's previous history and people work together and they move on and work at different places. But I don't know, is, can he still be a sounding board for Brad Stevens in, you know, in the way that he was before, obviously he went to Utah or is that relationship sort of, I'm sure it's still obviously very strong, but is it just different now? I'm sure it's different. Um, you know, I don't know if they talk. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess, and this is just, okay, this is not from sources. This is pure <laughs> speculation. Guess. Right? I'm going to guess that Ainge, that Danny Ainge is still talking to Austin Ainge. I could Probably. be wrong about that. Yeah, I, you know, no, it's, it's fair, fair assumption. I, I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, but, you know, if, if they're at a holiday dinner, you know, yeah. Past the gravy, things like that might get spoken, you know? Um, so yeah, I look, I, it's like blue bloods. It's the family business. Yeah. I, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it, it can't be like it was before, but, um, you know, there are relationships around the league between front office people on different teams. You know, what can you tell me about this guy? You know, uh, what can be done here? What do you think about this? Uh, teams communicate with each other, not just at high levels, but certainly through back channels. I mean, you know, it's when everyone thinks about how much stuff gets written and put out there, especially around trade deadline times, multiply that by a billion. And that's the kind of talk that goes around. And, it, and realize this, too. It's not just the general managers or, if, you know, whatever the title may be, president of basketball operations for each team. But those people have those people have people working underneath them. Uh, Mike Zarin was making a ton of the phone calls in Boston, doing a lot of the legwork on trades and trade proposals on, you know, what do you have that we might want? What do we have that you might want? Mm -hmm. Is there a way to, to get this together? And then below that, there are these personnel guys that not only uh, ones that work in the office that are, you know, pro personnel guys, but there are personnel guys for teams that travel around teams will have advanced scouts that, you know, when you're going to play a team three games, hence they'll be checking out what your plays are, what you're running and giving you a full scouting report. Those same teams also have people that go out, and just catch as many NBA games as they can to look at players, to look at players that they might want to trade for. Um, the reason we've been able to, I've been able to write about trades over the years is, or know that have an inkling that something might be coming up is that people will be, you'll see people at games. So people will be talking to you. What about this? What about that? And it, if you're at a Celtics game really early, I'm not sure how early the doors open up, but if you get there, some of the people you see sitting on the bench uh, are not part of either team that's playing that night. They are personnel guys who get out there well before, I mean, before the doors open up and they're watching guys just go through their pregame routines. Hmm. Maybe guys that don't play very much because they want to see what is this guy's range? What are his work habits? They look at things like that. So when a guy at the end of the Celtics bench is out there before the game, he needs to realize that he's auditioning for someone. 
you know, there are pro personnel guys in the building that are watching, you know, pretty much every game. And, you know, that's all those things get taken into account. And then there are teams that still screw it up, but, you know, <laughs> but that's, it's, it's about information gathering and, you know, that's, that's the business. So I have uh, two more quick things for you before I let you go. One is this is just kind of a thought exercise. I, I really kind of put it out there just for fun on Twitter as I do a lot of things, especially when it's a poll. It's like, oh, I was thinking about this. What do you think kind of thing? And uh, just to, I don't know, gauge reaction. And so I, I, I don't know if you saw this, but I, I put up a poll yesterday as, as we sit here and it said, Robert Williams for DeMontis Sabonis, would you do it? And we've got, I don't know, 45 you know, closing out on 4,500 votes, something like that. And a whole lot of, you know, comments and quote tweets and everything, people, Celtics and Pacers perspectives and everybody defending their guys you'd expect. But the votes have honestly, uh, you know, sort of highlighted that, you know, the choices were absolutely no way and depends on uh, the rest of the deal. And the breakdown, absolutely 36.3%, no way, 37.8%. Depends on the rest of the deal, 26%. I I don't even know which, what's that? How many votes, can you look at how many votes are out there? How many votes does the no way have right now? Uh, I mean, whatever the math is, it's it's 38% of 4,300. Okay, well, you've got to figure out that that at least half of those are Chris Forsberg. <laughs> exactly. Very, very important. That's true. He's going to a lot of, a lot of different accounts and device voting from all his colleagues accounts at NBC sports. Boston. He's calling, he's sending people from around the, you know, look at how many, look at how many votes you're getting on that from Bolivia. I think Chris <laughs> has got contact there. Context there. No, my man Forsberg, you know, he, he look, he's been on this, this train for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also important to and Savonis is a very good passer too. Uh, comes from his father, who is an incredible passer. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, players love on the Celtics love playing with Rob Williams mm-hmm. because the you know the ball keeps moving. He can cover up for for a defensive mistake, which isn't even necessarily a defensive mistake. It's just sometimes you get beat, and he can erase yep. that problem. So, uh, you know, it's, it'd be hard to give up on, on, uh, on Rob Williams when he, I think he's getting better. Um, I remember his, his first um, training camp, uh, first uh, summer league, excuse me. And uh, Scott Morrison, who was, in the Celt- was a Celtic assistant here for, for a while, is now a uh, coach of a team in Australia. Um, very funny guy, subtly funny, right. You know, they, they always, they assign assistant coaches to work with certain players. And, um, Alex Barlow was assigned to work with, with, uh, with Rob Williams. But anyway, watching Rob at Summer League and more importantly at the practices they had. And we were at this practice at this high school, uh, in out in the Las Vegas area. It's one of the suburbs out there. Um, and I'm just watching this guy. And after practice, I'm just, like shaking my head, like marveling. It's like I went over, standing next to to Morrison, and I said, "You know, if this guy doesn't become a star, man, it's it's his own fault." <laughs> and and uh, and Scott, and it was a joke, but he just turns and goes, and 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 Alex is too, right? <laughs> uh, but no, I I really I just you know, I'm I'm 
I think the world of this guy and what he is now. And uh, I think the biggest issue with him was the injuries. Could he overcome that and be a consistent player? But, uh, you know, you look at him at the free throw line and you say, okay, uh, his outside, his, his 12 to 15 footer is going to get better too. You know what I mean? Um, mm. He's going to be able to be used in that way. But, uh, you know, when he gets a rebound, the fast break is started right away. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a lot of times that, and not lately, which is one of the biggest signs I look for. Uh, but before that, uh, a rebound would come and, and someone would get it and start dribbling up the court and not necessarily in as quick a way as possible, but, you know, getting the ball and throwing, getting it out quickly to start a fast break or, you know, is it's imperative with the way that today's defenses are so well structured and developed. So, and I think Rob's a big part of that. All right. Last thing for you. And I know you're not a, a hot take guy, so I'm not looking for a hot take. I do want a prediction and I guess I'll offer it to you in, in a, in a leading way, although feel free to go in a different direction with it if you want. Will Dennis Schroeder being traded be the, is that, scenario anyway the most monumental move we'll see a week from now I think that would be the smart betting um but you know what's funny is that there's there's kind of a a double-edged sword with that because Dennis Shooter does a lot of really good things and uh you know there are things you might miss when he's gone I, I would agree with the move I think it's important to get another pace guy on the floor in, in Peyton Pritchard. And I think that they've got enough to, you know, to handle that uh, enough options, particularly if, if uh, Josh Richardson stays with, you know, how you, um, when you go to the bench to match up with certain lineups, you know, you've got, you've got some pretty versatile defenders, but yeah, I think that's the most likely situation. Steve Bullpett from heavy.com. Again, this show is brought to you by uh, betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Always enjoy having you on the show, Steve. You know that. And it's, uh, it's just fun being able to dive into all things Celtics and NBA with you. It's, uh, it, it is a pleasure. So thank you again. Well, thank you. Good to speak with you. The show will be back at you next week. Make sure you join us. We'll be that much closer to the trade deadline, maybe even wait until after and then react to it the next morning. We'll see. For uh, Evan, who, of course, is producing, so still with us in some form, I'm Adam Kaufman. We'll talk to you soon.